Welcome to Sportsman of Colorado, Colorado's premier outdoor radio show heard every Saturday afternoon on KLZ 560 with insights on hunting, fishing, archery, guns, and ammo from Colorado's top outfitters featuring the industry's leading experts on how to enhance your experience in the great outdoors. Now, here's your host, Scott Watley. Good afternoon and welcome to Sportsman of Colorado. Thank you so much for joining us today. Also joined by our co-host, Kevin Flesh. Man, it's been a long time. It's been a while since we've been in studio together. Yeah. Oh, man. I tell you what, we, we have a jam-packed show for you, so we got to get to our guests. But at the International Sportsman's Expo back uh, March 24th through the 27th was awesome. It, it was, was. It was so great to see people out and about. And to see people. No right. mask. Having fun, spending money. And, exactly. Man, a lot of listeners came by, Kevin. Just a whole bunch. And, and we really appreciate all the folks that do listen on a regular basis. Um, and it is amazing because um, people had specific memories of shows that we've done. Yeah. And, and that's really cool. We're hard to, to forget. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe that was the yeah, point. Well, something like that. <laughs> um, but it is really a, an awesome situation when we get to. And it's been a couple of years, so it was sure. so much fun. And I tell you what, it was really fun to have all the sponsors that we were able to see and yeah. pe- friends of ours and people that you don't get to see on a regular basis and we we're doing a turkey hunt coming up here and and uh you know lots of stuff going on so it's all good absolutely yeah all right as i mentioned we got a jam-packed show for you we're gonna kick it off real quick here with our good friend dan johnson general manager of lynn lyle chevrolet dan how are you sir i'm doing great how are you guys it is nice to see you back together right absolutely absolutely Hey, are you giving away kites with a purchase of a new Silverado today? <laughs> Son. I should be. Holy cow. Wow. But, you know, it's funny. You know, wind sometimes uh, is a, a sales deterrent, but today we're rock and roll, and I got two rows of trucks out here. We got 0% on Silverados, and I think we're uh, we're selling a few today, so we're having a good day. Well, that's, man, that's that's what Saturdays great. are for, yeah. right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You're going to yeah. be there, sell something, right? Yeah. That's right. I don't want to sit here and watch the wind blow. Absolutely. Hey, thanks for taking care. We sent you a gentleman, a great friend of mine, uh, here a couple weeks ago. And man, you guys took great care of him. And, you know, Dan, a lot of dealerships just don't know how to do business, and um, it, which is great for Lynn Lyle because, you know what? If I can get them to your parking lot and get them to you, they're happy people. Well, and that's. Thank you for that, and we we try to make it easy and fair, and you know it just works. If everybody, like you say, a lot of times are fair minded, and uh, it just works. It's like the gentleman you sent me; he, he had to go look at another truck at another dealership, and I said, "Well, he'll be back because you know I count on those other dealerships not doing business the way we do it." And <laughs> sure enough, he called me and said, "I want to do business with you guys, but I want a different truck." And I said, "Well, come on, we'll, we'll figure it out." Good deal. Hey, uh, we'll do a longer segment this week on Haystack Help Radio, but we'll kind of go through what you were telling me yesterday a little bit on kind of the the process now that you're able to offer customers that are wanting to order a vehicle. Well, yeah, on trucks right now, uh, and I'll be as quick as possible, normally every dealership gets an allocation, and you try to fill, you know, you come in and buy, order a truck, you know, the dealership has to get an allocation before they'll actually fill the order. So now they're taking, if you come in and if Scott Wiley wants to put his name on a truck and I put the order in there, it doesn't matter whether I get an allocation or not, they'll swoop up the sold order, get it in line and get it built in a timely manner. So now we're not waiting six months, you know, to get a truck, you know, waiting for allocation. And I mean, they picked up like eight or 10 just last week that I didn't have allocation for, but I had sold orders in there. 
and you know those people are going to get their trucks pretty doggone quick so my recommendation is you know come in let's sit down let's order one get your name on one and whether i have allocation or not they'll pick it up wow so what yeah so what sort of the time period what are you seeing just in general about with the time that people have to wait from order until arrival that's a hard question. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not exactly but, sure, but I mean, I've had I've had Tahoes that build in three weeks. Oh, and I've had trucks that took six months. Yeah, you know, like they'll get they'll get put on missing parts or whatever. Sure, you know, the chips are still a problem. Yeah, but you know, it is better. There's no no question. It's better. But realistically, if you want to come in and get a Silverado, I'm probably you know probably two months. Yeah, that's not know, bad give or though. Take a little. Considering yeah, that's not bad. Sure. Yeah, yeah, that's not bad. Absolutely. Well, give on see Dan. Again, it's 14500 East Colfax. You've heard of Len Lyle Chevrolet for many years. They do an excellent job. I'm telling you, I don't even know how many years I've been <laughs> buying uh, vehicles there, but I'm telling you, Dan it will take care of you. Got a great staff there. All you got to do is step up. Hey, let them know you heard them here on Sportsman of Colorado or KLZ 560. We'd appreciate that as well. And when you do um, get to the dealership, uh, usually there will be some folks to greet you there. Just let them know you'd like to meet Dan and shake his hand. And please thank him for helping us with our show. We wouldn't be able to do it without him. So, Dan, I know you guys are busy on a Saturday. I'll let you sell something, and we'll be by and see you this week, sir. All right. Take care, guys. Thanks, right. Dan. See you later. That's Dan All Johnson. Right. Once again, Lynn Lyle Chevrolet, just right off of Colfax and 225. All right. We're going to go to the phones now and talk to our good friend, Brett Elkman. It's been a few months, and we've had Brett on. It's Vale Valley Ang- Anglers in Edwards. So, Brett, thanks for holding on. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Uh, I've had a chance to thaw out after this winter, and uh, it's great to talk to you again. <laughs> Thank goodness you're inside with the I'm guessing you guys got some wind up there today, too, right? Uh, this has been one of the windiest springs I've ever seen since <laughs> I've lived here. And, uh, yeah, we've got wind, we've got snow, we've got dipping temperatures. Called to uh, cast a fly rod sort of sideways in the wind, but... Yeah, that's when you break out the saltwater gear for trout. <laughs> that little heavier gear. <laughs> no doubt. It makes it a little easier to cast. Absolutely. So yeah. th- for listeners that are ju- just joining us and haven't heard you before, can you tell us a little bit about what your shop, really th- what you're interested in doing for folks to come up uh, in that neck of the woods and, and what sort of experiences that people can expect when they see you? Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, so we are actually a year-round, we're open year-round fly shop. Uh, dedicated to fly fishing. However, for those that are a little hesitant, some of the guys will bring a spin rod along. We offer float trips, weight trips, half day, three quarter, and full days. And then uh, something that's kind of unique to us, we offer some specialty trips, two-handed, mousing, uh, tenkara, euro nymphing. And uh, in the winter, one of our more popular offerings is ice fishing, which uh, closed up about a month or so ago, the, the ice and the and the lakes got really soft, but yeah. we had a good year. That's good. And and right now, can you give us a little bit of, other than the last couple of days with the storm rolling through, but how has the flows been, and is the ice off the, the rivers for the most part, and and what are, what are what's the situation up there right now? Yeah, we, we had some really warm weather up into the 70s, kind of on and off this last two weeks, kind of burned off all the lower elevation snow, if you will, even though we're in the mountains. And so, yeah, all the, most of the rivers are open and flowing. Uh, because of that 70-degree weather, the flows tripled in size mm. over the last three days. But now we have snow and wind, so that'll come down a little bit. We've had, you know, off-color water 
to clear water. You just got to be kind of flexible and adopt a little bit this time of year. Sure. Um, great, great. You know, it, it's so the fishing's open. Uh, we've even been able to float a little bit, but but you got to be flexible. It's in overall from this point on in general, the flows are going to go up. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So um, let's talk a little bit about um, sort of the rainbows right now. What's going on? Are they in, in full spawn mode at this point? Yeah, I thank you for asking. I, I, I really am shocked somehow so to believe that how many people are unaware of the, the life cycles and things like that. So the <laughs> springtime, which is right right smack in the middle of it right now, the rainbows spawn, and then in the fall, the the, uh, the browns. So the rainbows are in full spawn. Uh, very tempting to fish with to them. Uh, they're they're not going to move much because they're protecting the reds. Or, right. So they cleared out little patches of the bottom of the river that you'll see that, that where they they do their thing and uh you know we there are no restrictions on most of the places around here unfortunately so you are allowed to fish from however just for safe etiquette and ensuring our future trout we ask that you don't fish to them and kind of let nature take its course yeah let's talk about that a little bit not necessarily for the experienced angler that understands what we're talking about but for the folks that maybe you know the next month or so they decide they want to go up and fish and the the rainbows are still doing those their thing in clear water describe for us a little bit about what this these areas will look like and what what people can expect and realize that oh that's that's a fish that's spawning or on a bed um you know maybe leave those things alone and and look for other fish so tell us what people should be looking for while they're either mostly waiting i guess along the river and and um and sort of what they what they can do to stay away from those fish. I think it's obvious, but for lots of folks that don't do it very often, especially in the spring, um, give us a little idea of what what should be done. Oh yeah, thank you for asking. So uh, what you're going to look for the, the biggest telltale sign is is what's called a red or the beds, if you will, where the the trout's clear out the area, and it'll be a distinct, much brighter color than the rest of the riverbed so you'll see actual circles in the river it looks like a pepperoni pizza or something sure and then on those spots you're going to see paired up trout you may see other uh, males fighting for the females and, and movement a lot of movement but for the most part you'll see paired up trout and in some cases about two weeks ago a week ago when the water was much lower you'll see these trout the back of the trout out of the water and you'll see them moving so Again, they're not going to move much. They're protecting their area. They're spawning. And so you'll see them. It'll be very tempting to cast to them and fish to them because you can see them. In a lot of cases, it's bigger fish. They, yeah. they come out to play, if you will, at that time. And so the best, the best thing is to leave them alone altogether. Don't get in the river. Don't walk near them. Um, and don't fish for them. That, that would be the ultimate best thing. And what people tend to forget, even after you may not see them, but any disturbance on the river bottom is going to kick up those eggs and the, you know, the, the, the fertile eggs and, and disturb that process and therefore kill them as well. Yep. And so, again, the best thing is leave them alone. If you are going to fish, try and fish around them, um, you know, maybe even behind them where the, the smaller trout will take advantage of some of the eggs that have gotten behind and, uh, and fallen downriver a little mm-hmm. bit. But uh, obviously, ultimately, the best thing is to leave them alone. Yeah, and give them a wide berth because they they're doing what they need to do, and they're going to give us additional fish in the later in the year and the following year. So that's all all good. Yeah, and and it, it the other thing that we should mention is that this same process happens with browns and 
Um, brook trout are fall spawners too, right? Yeah. Um, so both yep. of those trout in the fall um, will be doing the same sort of thing, just to remind everybody not to be looking for these, those same sort of things September, October, and, and do the same thing, stay away from them. That's correct. And, and um, on our fishing report, we've added a little spawning section just to, to remind people and let them know where and when that is. On the Roaring Fork and the Colorado, there are actual sections on the river that are closed to spawning. So if you're float fishing through, you actually have to lift your rod out of the water, can't finish until you get through that section, and yep. then you can fish again. So yeah. there are some regulations in place, but um, and I think for the most part, people try and do the right thing. No, absolutely. Completely agree. And I think a lot of times what I've always seen with folks that are, are not doing the right thing is it's just education. Mm-hmm. You know, they just didn't realize Correct. it. and, and uh, Or they're just not paying attention to where they're at, maybe focusing on something else, and then they realize they walk into, you know, an area where, where this activity is going on. And, and sometimes it's just a, hey, have you, have, you, have you noticed where you're standing sort of thing? And people <laughs> are like, oh, my goodness. So it happens. Right. Um, let's talk a little bit more about fun stuff, though. How about uh, the hatches that are going on right now? Let's talk about the eagle and then also the Colorado, but let's start with the eagle because I'm guessing you've got some blueing olive uh, activity going on right we, now. We do, and as you know, any kind of cloud uh, brings them out. Yeah. So clouds and, and, and off weather, which we all think of as great fishing weather, but to maybe some of the newer people, the sunshine is what they equate to that. <laughs> yeah, no but, doubt. Um, yeah, we do have blue wings uh, at hatching, which is great. We, we do still have a strong midge presence usually tapers out a little bit as the winter turns into spring mm-hmm. and then again uh, eventually summer midges are always present uh, believe it or not we've seen some caddis yeah and nothing heavy but we've seen a few caddis out and then actually i was on the roaring fork uh, about a week or so ago and the bottom is just crawling with uh with drakes so oh. uh, while they won't fly yet they are definitely on the bottom and then a couple guys on the colorado you'd mentioned we're still seeing midges some blue wings, some caddis, and the, the salmon flies are crawling all over the bottom. But it'll probably be a good uh, couple, three, four weeks now before they hatch. But a lot of it's temperature-related, so we just don't know. They lowered the flows on the Colorado to protect what water we have. As you guys know, we're still somewhat in a drought state. Right, Had sure. some decent snow, but they're going to hold that off. So that could be a lot of fun come, come a few weeks from now. I tell you what, this time of the year is always so special because we've got the different bugs the blue blueing olive hatches in your area down in the arkansas this time of year can be so good and there aren't as many people fishing um i think the caddis gets so much press um but there's so many hatches that are going on that are just as good or better um it's just incredible and then you get the salmon flies in the colorado if you hit that right that can be an incredible experience as well but um tell us about what you guys are excited about i guess this spring and into the summer with with regard to guiding clients yeah um we you know so we have had a little bit of snow and we're all excited to see how long that lasts if you will and uh it, you know hopefully not have any fishing closures right uh, we've experienced a huge population increase here so believe it or not we do enjoy uh even though it's pressure we do enjoy teaching new people uh, how to fish and we've seen a, a big big increase in our sport and so we all love to teach our sport, share that what we love to do. So we're looking forward to that, meeting new anglers. We, uh, we do this program in the fall and uh, in the spring uh, called Women on the Fly, where we try and introduce uh, women to the sport. We offer free guides 
and um, and gear. We just actually purchase a license and maybe a couple flies and provide them with uh, instruction. We do a beginner class and then an experienced class, and it's just a way to introduce women to the sport and then for other women to meet other women who fish. So we've already had two of those. We have, I think, we have a couple more coming up. They sell out pretty quick, but you're, you know, you're welcome to call the shop. And then uh, we we got to test out some of the new gear, and that was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, <bet>. that's awesome. <laughs> Brett Elkman yeah. is our guest once again. It's Vale Valley Anglers in Edwards, ninety seven Main Street. Their number is nine seven zero nine two six zero nine zero zero. You can check out the website. It's valevalleyanglers dot com. Brett, are you okay to hold through a break? Yes, sir. Okay, hold through a break for just a minute. We're going to come back and uh, visit with you some more on a couple items here. You're listening to Sportsman Colorado. Kevin Flesh is with us as well. 303-477-5600 is the number. If you want to ask a fishing question, we'll try to help you. For years now, you've heard me talk about Lone Tree Veterinary Medical Center. Hey, this is Scott Watley, and yes, for almost 20 years, Lone Tree Veterinary Medical Center has been taking care of our pets. From medical, grooming, boarding, and even training, Lone Tree Veterinary Medical Center is your one stop for all of your pet's needs. Not only is their facility state-of-the-art, but now you can download the free Lone Tree Vet app and visit their online store for your pet products and pharmacy needs. You can also have your very own pet portal. Plus, don't forget to read their blogs at LoneTreeVet.com. Do you take your dog on hikes? Check out hiking the trail safely with your dog. At Lone Tree Veterinary Medical Center, they believe all pets deserve to have a good life. Call today 303-708-8050 or check them out LoneTreeVet.com. The physical injuries, emotional damage, and economic damages of your case should be accounted for and sometimes that means going to trial. Kevin Flesh of Flesh and Beck Law is willing to go to court for your personal injury case at no additional cost. Other personal injury attorneys will expect extra money when they take your case to trial. In some cases, they won't do the extra work at all. You deserve an attorney who will get you adequate compensation. He will do his best to get you the fair value of your case and will even take it to trial if necessary. Kevin Flesh with Flesh and Beck Law works on a contingency rather than a retainer. That means they get paid once you get the money and take the same percentage whether you take the money or not. Kevin Flesh wants more for you. Set up a free consultation with personal injury attorney Kevin Flesh to get the legal guidance you deserve. Call 303-806-8886. That's 303-806-8886. For over eight years, you've been hearing me talk about Phoenix Weaponry in Berthard. Hey, this is Scott Watley, your host of Sportsman of Colorado, here once again to tell you why Phoenix Weaponry should be your choice to build your new custom firearm. Phoenix Weaponry is a custom firearms manufacturer. With a combined experience of over 45 years, the Phoenix family can master even the most unique idea. Phoenix Weaponry manufactures a precision custom parts for ARs and builds custom precision rifles, as well as a full line of pistol, shotgun, and rifle suppressors. Whether you're an experienced connoisseur or a new enthusiast, let Phoenix Weaponry build you a dream rifle or a range blaster. Phoenix Weaponry is your one-stop shop for all of your firearm needs. Owner Aaron Casey says our attention to detail and one-on-one customer service sets us apart from our competition. Do it yourself or complete bills at Phoenix Weaponry. 
They're there to help you build your dream gun. Call them today, 720-340-2496. If you can dream it, Phoenix Weaponry can build it. 720-340-2496 or check them out at phoenixweaponry.com. Rush to Reason with John Rush. Weekdays from 3 to 7 on KLZ 560. Welcome back to Sportsman of Colorado. If you're just joining us, my name is Scott Watley, along with Kevin Flesh, our special guest, Brett Elkman, Bell Valley Anglers. They're in Edwards, as I mentioned. Their number, 970-926-0900, and it's bellevalleyanglers.com. So, Brett, before we get into a couple other specifics here real quick, Kevin kind of mentioned it a while ago. Hey, you know, sometimes people just make a mistake. They get on private property and all that. So it made me just think of, man, how to stay legal with everything, even knowing the different you know, fish that you can catch, how many you can keep, the sizes, all of that. What do you usually send people to for the best resource to um, kind of educate themselves on how to stay legal out there on the waters? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, especially with the increase in the population that we've had here and, and uh, the growth of the sport. Um, you know, certainly your local fly shop is a great place to start. Um, we have uh, regu- rules and regulation books here for free that we give out. Okay. And then we also uh, created a, a free map for people uh, so we can point out some spots for them. And what a lot of us use and what we refer to a lot of is Onyx Maps yep. system on your phone. You can download it, and it will actually track where you're at and, and tell you what's private and not. And that's a great one. And we also sell a map that you can download that will also do the same thing, track where you're at, and kind of turns red and green. So Yeah, Onyx is great. Uh, it's a good thing to know. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Now, on your website, I'll just hit a couple of these real quick, and we appreciate your time. But uh, you've got your um, wade trips, float trips, and specialty trips. So just kind of walk us through again for folks that maybe have never done this before and just want to kind of get a de- defining what you're doing there. Sure. Uh, so we we, uh, we teach you how to fly fish. For those of you that know how, we, we just work on your skill set or set you up for success, put you in the right point, place. Uh, you know, one of our most popular offers is a half-day weight trip. Uh, it's a great way to get a taste of the sport, learn a little bit at, at the same time. And then if you are a seasoned angler and you want to try something new, we offer uh, the specialty trips that you mentioned, Tenkara, your own new thing, two-handed mouse trips. Um, you know, it, it, it's uh, it, a nice little side thing to, from doing the everyday sport. But our specialty, I think, is, is float fishing. Yeah, we have a lot of we call ourselves float centric, and we love to float the rivers. I think it's just sure. a great way. In some ways, can be easier for a beginner that you're not casting as much, fighting the current. The guides doing that and adjusting all of that with the boats. But either way, both experiences are great. Our half day is about four hours on the water, three quarters about six on the water, and then the full day is at least six plus lunch. You're out there roughly eight plus hours. You're talking about the specialty trips. Um, <clears throat> so the the spay rods. When do you normally have those? Do you, are you doing those trips all year round, or are you mostly doing those in the fall? Yeah, that's that's a great question. Uh, you know, it, it, it does require a lot of water. We're fortunate enough to live near the sea, the Colorado, which is a little bit bigger river. So we can do it year round. Ideally, uh, summer and fall are, are generally when we offer it. Uh, the eagle. There's maybe a few spots here and there. It'd have to be when it's in you know running full, say sure. between late June and and maybe uh, August, where we can swing on the eagle. 
but mostly the Colorado and um, and sometimes even the Fork. But the, the Colorado is an, an underrated river in regards to two-handed fishing. So. Yeah. Wow. And then we'll you also <laughs> talked, yeah, and you also talked about mousing. Now, is the mousing done mostly late night into darkness, or are you doing in some other time of the day for those trips? Yes, sir. Yeah, we we do it uh, at dusk to into the evening, uh, and a lot of times, obviously into the night, and they, <laughs> they uh, kind of by feel and sound, and it, it's right. exciting. It's a blast. We. Uh, my coworker is, is J.P. Moderno, and we call him Mouse Derno, so he's kind of our specialist. <laughs> so for people don't, don't when when you're talking about mice, you're talking about the, the, you're throwing a fly. That's a deer hair fly, right? Normally, or some other material that it floats, and it looks like a yeah. mouse, Scott. Really? So yeah, wow. and and you know most people don't. For what are you catching with a mouse? Brown trout, well, all the trout, right? But browns in particular love. They they feed on mice from time to time. Oh yeah, you're you're targeting those big, angry, beautiful brown trout, right? Gold and blue and just opportunistic. Yep, something fell in the river and can't swim very well. Yep. And, although mice are pretty good swimmers, but trout are, are better swimmers. <laughs> <laughs> and generally at night. So this yeah. isn't a trip for yeah. the faint of heart. I mean, because yeah, you got <laughs> your fly fishing, so you're casting in strange places in the right. dark oh, <laughs> to man. spots that you can't see. I mean, it's it's a really pretty cool experience. And Brett, real quick, and it's man, we very, appreciate your time. I know it's busy there on the weekend, but um, all levels should feel all levels of uh, anglers should feel comfortable about coming with you, right? Absolutely. Um, you know, there's that old battle between snowboarders and skiers, and we have people that come in here that are almost embarrassed to admit they spin fish and you know what it's fishing when it comes down to it just get out there and enjoy it Mm -hmm. we're going to point you in the right direction if you spin fish you fly fish uh, like i said earlier uh if you're timid we can bring along a spin rod or or you just don't get it you want to spin fish we can do that as well but absolutely it's fishing it's everyone should do it everyone should have the opportunity to do it yeah, and the great thing about fly fishing is that it's definitely something that uh, is learned, and it's something that takes practice with regard to the actual aspect of casting the the lure and the fly yeah. and the fly line and all of that. Because all the I, I'm get all the gear, all the different things you need to get you there and be in the right place. Then it comes to technique, right? It does, but it also yeah. comes to some days. It doesn't matter what you do. Like really? if you get on a really good hopper dropper bite in the middle of summer, right. you can oh, be the worst caster <laughs> in the world, <laughs> and and the fish are just attracted to those grasshoppers, right, Brad? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. It, it and you're right. With all that different equipment, everything could seem very intimidating. Um, and and uh, you know, the dry dropper hopper droppers pretty much what i fish and there are days like you said it just doesn't matter what you do you're catching them and and that's why we do it you know it's yeah. seeing something eat come up to the surface and eat uh, you know a two inch foam fly is just super exciting it's it's get your blood going and it keeps you coming back for sure sure completely agree. well brett hey man we appreciate your time we're looking forward to getting out there with you uh, here pretty quick so man we appreciate it and uh man you guys got a, a great job right there man <laughs> And I'm glad we didn't Thank go yesterday. Yeah, and I'm glad. We, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to be transparent with our listening audience. Kevin and I were supposed to be there yesterday, and Brett called us the night before and said, "You know, you might nothing like." Think. And I looked. At, I looked last night on the weather, and I think it was 32 degrees. And I'm like, "Yeah, it was 79 here yesterday in Denver." So yeah, I think I'm good. Oh, it was the gusts of 50 miles an hour winds. Right that, yeah, that's the biggest part of it. You, you'd asked me earlier what we're looking forward to this summer, and 
I certainly would have loved to have had you guys out, but definitely looking forward to getting you out and on my home river here, hopefully on the Eagle and, and showing you a good time on a, on a float trip. Um, and and the guy that I, I have handpicked for you is looking for that as well. So. All right, good deal. See, I asked that question about all levels of anglers That's for, right. for my benefit, so thank you. I just wanted to hear one more time I was welcome. Yeah. I sh- I'm we'll good at shooting stuff, but, uh, hey, i got to learn to catch. All right. all right, Brett. Hey, man, thank you so much, and we'll be in touch. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you for having me. All right, you bet. That's Brett Elkman, Vale Valley Anglers. Once again, they're located in Edwards, 97 Main Street. Their number, 970-926-0900. Hey, when you call, let them know you heard about them here on Sportsman of Colorado, and the website is valevalleyanglers.com. This is Sportsman of Colorado. We'll be right back. Are you in the market for a new firearm or maybe looking to purchase your very first firearm? Well, wouldn't it be great to have an experience worth telling your friends and family about while making such an important purchase? At Bighorn Firearms, we know how important that is, and it's our mission to provide this experience to every customer that walks through our front door. Hi, I'm Ryan, owner of Bighorn Firearms, located in southeast Denver, and my team and I are customers too. We know what it's like to experience the typical specialty store attitude, and we believe everyone deserves a first-class experience when purchasing a firearm. If you're searching for friendly service, a knowledgeable and passionate staff, and a great selection of firearms, we'd like to invite you to Denver's best independent gun store, Bighorn Firearms, one mile east of Evans and I-25. Whether it's your first gun or you've been collecting for years, our friendly and knowledgeable staff are passionate about answering all of your questions. Service and selection is our commitment to you. That's Bighorn Firearms, located at 2175 South Jasmine Street, Suite 105, Denver. Call us now, 303-758-9423, or shop online, bighornusa.com. Now's the time to save at the Outdoorsman's Attic. Here are just a few of the discounts you will find. All fishing gear and sleeping bags, 30% off. All Sitka gear and packs, 25% off. Gun accessories, decoys, archery, selected optics, all 20% off. And if you've got some camping, hunting, fishing gear you want to turn into cash, take it to the Outdoorsman's Attic. Shop now, save now at the Outdoorsman's Attic, 2650 West Hampton in Sheridan. Family owned and operated. Great gear, great service, all at the Outdoorsman's Attic. Hey, Dan, you know, our jobs are pretty different. I'm a baseball announcer. You're an attorney and a talk show host. Yeah, but we do have something in common. Really? What's that? Our favorite car dealer, Len Lyle Chevrolet. Yeah, definitely not your typical dealership. That's so true, Jack. No high-pressure sales tactics. They respect your time. And when you have two jobs, that's important. You know, I'd recommend Len Lyle Chevrolet to anyone. And with their low overhead, that means lower lower prices. prices. Yeah, we really do have something in common. Len Lyle Chevrolet. Go east and pay the least chevy find new roads rush to reason with john rush weekdays from three to seven on klz 560 welcome back to sportsman of colorado again we want to thank brett elkman uh, if you just caught part of that it is Vail valley anglers and edwards and once again their number 970-926-0900 so kevin when you look at and you do fish in a lot of different places so what do you like better do you like here uh, like here on local waters right here around the denver metro area or do you like that mountain fishing better? yeah so so it's interesting because the stuff that's in town um is mostly 
warm water species, walleyes and, and other species like that in some of the rivers. And it's also generally in lakes. And so this time of year, we're coming into a really good period of time for the walleyes and the other things. Uh, we've got spawning going on. We've got fish shallow. We've got fish that um, are hungry coming off of the winter. And so in the spring, it's a tough it's a it's a tough question mm-hmm. because um, in the mountains you've got the Arkansas, you've got the Eagle, you've got the Colorado, you've got different rivers that are going to blow out probably the end of May into June relating to the water. Hopefully, when we get good snowpack like we have this year, and so but the fishing can be really good this time of year um, with regard to them, and the trout are definitely hungry, and there's some really good. Uh, hatches that go on so the dry fly fishing can be really good but there's nothing like an an evening bite on cherry creek when the walleyes are stacked up right along the weed edges and and those those bites especially either a jig bite or a trolling bite where you're in shallow water and you're catching them pretty close to the boat and they're they're fighting well is a a really fun experience too Mm -hmm. so it's a long answer to say I, I would take either, um, <laughs> depending upon how much time I have. You know, Cherry Creek is here. It's five minutes sure. from my house. Um, Austin Parr gives me a lot of tips Absolutely. as to how things are going. And so that's a that's a really nice resource. Same thing with Chatfield. I think Chatfield's going to be fishing pretty well this year, too. Um, but then, you know, we've, we do have some interesting things in town. Some of the, you know, the South Platte and some of the other smaller ponds and things this time of year can be really good as well. You know, there's a certain group of folks out there that like to fish for carp, for example, which is an underutilized fishery in the metro area that can be either gear or flies. Mm-hmm. Those can be a lot of fun. They, you can get some big fish there. Um, so I would say that if I had to pick, if I had an afternoon, like if I had a couple-hour drive and I could f- fish, um, I'd probably do the trout fishing this this time of year with the blue-wing olive hatches and the caddis coming up because um, that's a really fun bite. Um, but then once you start getting the rivers blown out, that's sure. a perfect time. The walleyes are, are really active that time of year, and, and that can be really nice fishing as well. And so mm-hmm. there's not much better to, you know, drive over to Cherry Creek in an, yeah. in an evening <laughs> when everybody's left and, and fish until dusk and, and have lots of opportunities there to catch fish. So Absolutely. both are both are good. We're really lucky in that regard. You know, we have we bought a place in uh, Wisconsin um, last fall, and I've got blink cameras up and and the ice is just coming off this weekend That's crazy. <laughs> so, i mean opening of wisconsin opener is the is the first full weekend in may and yeah. they're just having the ice come off the lakes and we've had ice off for a while and and good fishing so and we we forget what nice weather we have here in comparison sure. to the midwest especially up in the northern reaches of it so right all Absolutely. good so um let's take one minute here and just talk about so you fish jerry creek a lot yeah all right as you look back, what are some of the maybe top two or three mistakes that you see people make and you go, hey, this is what I was doing and now I'm doing this and it's made things more successful? Yeah, so it's a really pressured body of water. So um, one of the things that I think people will do, depending upon the time of year, is they're going to be fishing in places where the fish are, are not located. Um, you know, th- the fish migrate from the deeper water holding areas to shallow water. Um, especially in the spring, um, the latter part of April into May, and especially into early June. The fish are going to be in areas that they necessarily, they certainly weren't in uh, in the fall last year where they were in the in more in the basin areas. And so 
the the fishery there is one of the things you've just got to start looking around really using your electronics to try to figure out where exactly you're seeing fish and and actually fish to the fish that are there rather mm-hmm. than fish to areas that you think the fish would be the other thing is a lot of times they're either a lot shallower or a lot deeper than you think they are so you just got to continue to move around and really try to figure that out and then don't be afraid to just try different things that's the sure. other fun thing with that particular fishery is is Cherry Creek can be really fickle, and especially later in the year when the shad have hatched and there's little shad running around yeah. the lake and they've got lots of food that you've got to start figuring out what exactly the fish are keying in on and try different techniques. I mean, it's a reservoir, so um, the fun thing about Cherry Creek is there's all kinds of different techniques that those fish will will uh, allow you to catch them on, and, and you've got to try a bunch of different stuff depending upon the time of year. And don't be afraid to try something maybe a little out of the ordinary because that may trigger fish that see a whole bunch of lures otherwise. Right. And once again, most of you know this real quick, Kevin Flesh, an attorney here in town. You can also hear Kevin on Thursdays at noon on our Haystack Help radio program with Legal Talk. But his number is 303-806-8886. I don't talk nearly as much fishing on that show. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I wish we could. It's such a fun time of year because there is just so many things that we can do yeah. uh, in regards to that and, and, uh, and the opportunities that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so often we talk about the DOW and what their way, the way that they manage the game and, sure. and those sorts of things. It's the same thing with the fishing is there's just so many opportunities along the front range. And this time of year especially, um, people just need to get out and try different things. Right. Once again, Kevin Flesh, 303-806-8886. It is Flesh and Beck Law. All right, we're going to go to the phones now and talk to a, a good friend of ours, Wes Mendez. Wes says with the Colorado Bow Hunter Association and also the legislative liaison. Uh, and uh, recently, uh, as of, I believe it was Thursday, uh, Wes was down at the Capitol, and then we had a little celebration of something that they, along with other conservation and sportsmen's group, helped to get passed through. So, Wes, first of all, thanks for being with us. How are you? I'm doing well, Scott. Thanks for having me. You bet. You bet. All right. Well, tell us about what uh, took place at the Capitol on Thursday. Sure. So on Thursday, it was National Sportsman's Day. So uh, all of our our sportsmen's group were invited by the legislature to come down, and then they passed the resolution kind of, you know, commemorating the sportsmen. So, you know, CBA, with among other ones, we've joined that Colorado Wildlife Conservation Project that has about 30 other organizations. Right. So it was just nice to go down there and get appreciation and meet the legislators. Um, You know, I was in the House with several of them on the floor when they passed the resolution and um, Henry Ferguson, our chairman, was in the Senate with several other sportsmen's groups as well. So both sides of the legislature um, that we got to meet. And then around 7 o'clock we had a barbecue where we served wild game. All the legislators came out and then at 1 o'clock Mr. Polis Polis came out with the bill sponsors to sign the new law that's going to allow schools to opt in 7th grade and above to teach hunter education. Man, that's fantastic. Right. That is awesome. Well, let us be the first to congratulate you and, and thank you uh, for your work on this because I know, I'm telling you, it seems like over these last few years, and I think, Kevin, this is going to be nothing more but in our future more and more where different groups are going to try to do all they can yep. to take away a lot of our hunting privileges. Exactly. Yeah, completely. So, Wes, kind of take a minute, if you don't mind, and just kind of explain your role as that legislative liaison. Sure. I can kind of talk through a little bit on 
on the hunting build, kind of how it fits in. Sure. Safety one. So generally what we'll do is, you know, we work with the CBA, we'll work with other organizations, you know, to send emails to get, you know, if it's surveying our base, um, a lot of what we'll, we'll do is we'll go down to the Capitol and testify during various committees when a bill's going through, whether we support or against it. So this particular one, we got involved with it. It actually was around the mountain lion um, ban that they were trying to push through. We were mm-hmm. at the Capitol, and at that time, uh, Majority Leader Hugh McCain, representative, walked in and was saying, hey, I'm going to push, I'm, I'm, I'm going to put this bill on the floor. It's coming in the next few days about higher education. And as soon as he left the room, I ran out of there as quick as I could to exchange information and said, you know, we'll do everything in our power to push this wherever you need us. So we, you know, started a conversation. It went to the House Agricultural Committee. I showed up, and then my son, who's in Boy Scouts, um, he was interested. He was doing some, doing some citizenship merit badges, and he expressed interest in, you know, going down and testifying. So we both went down there and testified. Um, it went really well, passed unanimously through the Agricultural Committee, and then it went to the House floor for debate. You know, we had sent some emails, made some calls to the, you know, Speaker of the House, you know, various, you know, parties in the House, and it passed pretty much unanimously. I think there was only maybe six folks that voted against it. So huge support, and that's where we thought we would get a lot of pressure. So once it went to the Senate Ag Committee at that point, uh, my other son, who's in Cub Scouts, he was kind of following it, and he was like, hey, I would be really interested in testifying well, as well, because I haven't went through the program yet. Uh, my older son has. So it's like, well, sure, let's go down and do it. So we both, all three of us testified in the Senate committee. It got a little more testy there in that that's where the, kind of the gun thing came up and yeah. how would firearms be in school. So, you know, great conversation. We work with the bill sponsors, Senator uh, Woodward, as well as Senator Janelle, both in the Larimer area. Um, you know, the amendments put on the bill to say, hey, CPW already does not have ammunition in schools. It's in their weapons. You know, the second phase of that occurs, you know, under supervision at a firing range. You know, and that's not required for any of this legislation. So, again, passed the Senate Ag Committee with, I believe, only two folks that voted against it, and then went to the Senate floor. Um, We were there in the gala. Um, You know, we had been talking at that point to the various, you know, legislatures as well, sending emails, making calls, um, social media, all the conservation groups were leaning in and helping. And, you know, we're once a week, we're meeting, actually twice a week, we were talking through kind of what we need to do and help and any information we need to get out there from opposing groups, you know, just to say, hey, that's not what this legislation does. Um, we got in front of it, and it passed the Senate with maybe three folks that were against it. So it was pretty much unanimous support um, all the way through it, which was really optimistic. You know, I thought was a really good thing in that. You know, it really shows, you know, once us sporting organizations get out there and start talking with the public, yeah. there is a lot of support. Yeah. Everyone knows a hunter or has some connection with the hunter, so they, mm-hmm. that kind of story come out, and it's like, well, you know, we really appreciate what you guys do. We didn't realize it. So I feel like we have a lot of good momentum, and our, you know, just hunting in general has, has a lot of momentum around, you know, from a public perspective. Like, there's, there's a lot of conservation that we do, and it's just telling that story. Sure. And, you know, Wes, I'm telling you, if, if everybody just sat around and just said, hey, there's people that will take care of this, and 
people didn't show up and people didn't write in and people didn't email and make calls and all that, we might have been in trouble on some of these issues. Oh, absolutely. It's most of the most of the work that we see and what really gets people noticed and which really helps us, you know, you know, win or, or get things approved um, is having people show up. And at the Capitol on Thursday, we had a lot of people that showed up just to talk, just to chat, just to introduce. This is what I do. You know, um, it was great. And when the Bobcat bill happened, a lot of people showed up. Hunter education, a lot of people were showing up. So it's a pretty unanimous thing. Like, if, if you want to keep hunting rights, if you want people to respect kind of what we do, I mean, it's having a presence in your local community. It's having a presence in the legislature. It's really having those conversations to say there's a lot of benefits that hunting provides, you know, to society, to conservation, to habitat protection. Um, so it's, it's, it's a good stuff. You know, it's just it's nice having a nice win, and we're just so pleased with the fact that this legislation opens up a lot of doors uh, to kids, you know, especially in the urban areas, especially rural areas that, you know, as our society changes, it's just harder to find time on weekends and different elements to get, you know, kids in these programs. Sure. And having kids, I've got kids that are just graduating from high school and um, just having the ability to have this program in the school so that people or kids can have the opportunity mm-hmm. to try it and to see what it's about and have a conversation um, in our current society that's a huge thing for our kids to be able to have something that they don't have at home that they can go mm-hmm. and they can do this so that they can have the background i mean it's it's a oh, big, absolutely it's a, a significant thing i think for all those kids that maybe have an interest, but they don't have parents that are necessarily interested in doing it. They can they can get involved in in school and have conversations with some of their friends that maybe have done it or are interested in it, and it gives them that that other outlet that maybe they wouldn't have had. Yeah, and I mean, our, a lot of the conversations we had at the Capitol is exactly like what you said. In addition to that, there's a lot of people that are just out in the wild recreating, right, and the ancillary knowledge that you get through this program around first aid, around, you know, inclement weather, how do you handle yourself, what are the dangers, you know, wildlife encounters, those yep. type of things, just a general, you know, overview of conservation. Like, it's a very lengthy and very wide from a topic-based, you know, program that everyone can benefit, even if you choose not to hunt. I mean, not this program is just so fun and fundamental. If, if you live in the state, you should really, really pursue this type of knowledge. Sure. So, Wes, what does it take? You know, we talked about the Bobcat Bill and then the mountain lion thing came up. What does it take for a group um, like that to get something on some kind of bill? Oh, uh, what's the Bobcat piece? Yeah. Um, usually it's it's money. Um, <laughs> yeah. so, so some of the, the anti generally... I mean, typically they have a pretty standard uh, blueprint that you see across multiple states. Mm-hmm. So most of them are funded, um, usually on the coast. Um, a lot of these organizations, you go pull up their 503, 5031C public filings, you'll see, you know, there's $60, 70000000 million that they're getting. Um, wow. And then they'll find a way or find some senators that they'll kind of latch on to, and they'll make a pass at a bill. And usually if that doesn't work, Usually they start at the commission, so they'll, they'll, you know, file citizen petitions. Usually those things will get knocked down, mostly because there's just not, there's not 
substance around it from a you know North American model of wildlife conservation. There's there's no science behind the stuff that they're pushing. Right. Mm-hmm. So then they'll try the legislature, and that's what the Bobcat Bill was. So we'll see if they get public support, and if they lean hard in PR, maybe they'll they'll get some movement there. If they don't go there, the next round is usually they try the general public. So they'll do it a ballot initiative. And on average, ballot initiatives, they're getting more expensive um, because you have to get signatures. So typically, like with the wolf, there was a substantial amount of money they paid. I think it was like 90000 just to get the signature. So paying an agency to go out yep. at various places across Colorado to collect signatures. So then they passed 100000 plus. Then they can put it on the ballot, and then the PR starts, and, you know, commercials. It really depends on the initiative. And the belief there is if they can pull in, you know, mass marketing type of personalities or other type of events and hit a geographic area like the metro area, yeah. mm-hmm. then maybe they can win. And, and that's really what their blueprint is. You've seen it in um, New Mexico. We've seen it, you know, in California, New, uh, New York. Jersey, you know, that that's really where they're at. But by and large, you know, a lot of times what we'll see is, like when we were doing the Bobcat um, bill down there testifying, there was only a handful of the folks from the that were pushing the ban that actually showed up. Most right. of them called in. Where on the agricultural side, the farming side, the, the you know, conservation groups, the, you know, our hunting groups, you know, all of us there were in force, mm-hmm. and I think that was the precipitous to say this stuff's not going to stop, you know, and with Dan Gates' leadership and Gaspar Paracon, you know, those two really kind of put all of us together to say, you know what, let's go form this Colorado Wildlife Conservation Project, and we're going to go on the offensive. And, you know, we've been meeting weekly, we're putting organizational structures on it, and, you know, it's just hey, we're all fighting the same fight. Let's let's really lean into this stuff and get involved in everything. And I'll tell you, though CBA, we used to, you know, primarily be involved in hook and bullet issues. And now the things that we're involved in between wildlife crossing, conservation easements, you know, we were, we were on there, uh, we signed on to a letter around, you know, these power line trails that they were trying to push through and that, you know, our concern being you're going dis- to disrupt um, breeding uh, habitat you know, it, it's the width of what we're getting involved in, and at the same point, you know, learning some groups that, you know, we would be involved with, but not extensively, like TRCP or National Wildlife Federation. Like, it, it's a good process that I feel like we're all learning, and we all have individual strengths, and it feels like we are really got a really strong, united front here in Colorado, and which we've needed for a long time. Sure. And, you know, last couple of minutes here, Wes, but... Um this is why it's so important, you know, to become a member of like CBA, Colorado Bow Hunter Association. And it's not about you being a bow hunter, so to speak, or Rocky Mountain Elk or Pheasant Forever or, you know, Mule Deer Foundation, whatever. But a lot of these groups are doing great things that we can be a part of for 30, 35, you know, bucks a year to help this fight, you know? Absolutely. And it's, and it's the big value is, the information you get, like what what's actually happening at the local level in my state, because that's really where the policy is going to impact you. And a lot of times folks are just kind of focusing on national stuff, mm-hmm. but, but they're missing what's actually happening in Colorado and how do you get involved. 
and I don't have to spend, you know, eight hours a week on this. If I have 10 minutes or I've got 15 minutes to get involved, hey, I can do X, Y, and Z. Absolutely, I'll do that. And, and that's really what it's going to take from our, our side to really knock and push back on a lot of this nonsense that's coming from out of state. Absolutely. Well, Wes, hey, man, I know I don't want to tie you up here all day on your Saturday afternoon, but, man, we appreciate it. Thanks for your hard work. And real quick, I think your sons were um, got to be part of signing that bill, right? Yeah, both my sons, Hudson and Griffin Mendez, were invited by the governor as well as the bill sponsors, Hugh McKean, Senator, uh, Representative Mullica, um, Janal, as well as Senators Woodward. And, yeah, I went to the ceremony, and then the governor actually – had them sit next to him, and then they actually signed the bill. He asked them to put their names on it. Wow. So it was a really, really cool moment. Well, how cool is that, man? Well, good. Well, hey, bud, we will they see you soon. I'm, here with I'm sorry? Oh, sorry. I was going to say, they actually down here with me. Um, right after that, we went down here to the sand dunes. We had a Boy Scout trip, so okay, I'm in the cool. car with a bunch of Boy Scouts. <laughs> <laughs> ah, well, you guys have fun, man. And, Wes, we appreciate your time, and thanks for all you do, sir. Oh, well, thank you for having me on, Scott, and appreciate your show, and thank you again for getting the word out there. I appreciate everything you do as well. Yeah, no problem, man. We are glad to do whatever we can. We appreciate it very much. That is Wes Mendez once again. He is the legislative liaison for CBA, Colorado Bowhunter Association. You can follow them on social media. Check out their website as well. But, hey, if you're not a member of some of these groups that I just mentioned, please do so. Hey, it's a we got a fight on our hands, Kevin. We do. And, and you know, we've, we also have to really celebrate these wins because mm-hmm. that they don't happen all that often. <laughs> exactly. But when they do, we need to really rally around and really look at what we've done because this is a great example of – of, of a fight that they've they've brought and they did it the right way and and right. it's going to benefit us down the road our kids are so important uh in many ways but especially hunting and fishing because they're the next generation to keep this this the, the conservation all the things that are so important to all of us relating to all the out, outdoors in colorado and and with all of us you know there's more and more people we, sure. we, we need to make sure we we understand how important uh our lives can be to the the outdoors in colorado yep absolutely I have waited to this point. I was going to talk about this when I started, but um, I knew it would be tough. So um, just want to let everybody know that if you follow our page, um, my father passed away last Saturday, about a couple hours ago at this time, and um, in Dallas. And, boy, you talk about the next generation and all your, you know, folks do to help you and help you get to – hopefully enjoy the outdoors and i just want to say a public thank you to my dad uh charles watley many people in dallas knew him as bear a man nicknamed him that back in 1950 and uh but i just want to uh, say thank you to my dad for all he did for me and helping me um in my life and uh getting out and enjoying the outdoors and um just want to say i wouldn't have this show you know without my dad and his inspiration of again just making me understand the outdoors, safety, uh, taking care of property. I mean, just all the things that go into the outdoors. So um, just want to say thank you to my dad, and uh, thank you. We received many, many texts, many, many uh, messages on Facebook, and uh, just want you to know from my wife, Victoria, and our family, uh, we are very, very grateful for the great outdoor community and our friends that we have. And uh, his service will be May 3rd in the dallas area there so 
not the end on a down note, Kevin, but you know, hey, huh? in These, my belief, my, I will see my dad again. Absolutely, and you will. that I'm looking forward to, I promise you. So, Kevin, man, good to see you. Good Glad to see you. Glad you got to come in, man. Absolutely. I want to thank all of our guests today, but mostly thank you for being with us here on Sportsman of Colorado. Hope you have a great rest of your weekend, and we will talk to you next week. expressed on KLZ 560 are those of the speaker, commentators, hosts, their guests, and callers. They are not necessarily the views and opinions of Crawford Broadcasting or KLZ Management, employees, associates, or advertisers. KLZ 560 is a Crawford Broadcasting God and Country Station.